There's been separation because of the pandemic. There's been separation. The church is closing and open, stores open. All this stuff has gone on. But there's one thing, my friends, that has not changed. One thing that will never change is the same yesterday, today, and forevermore. And that is Jesus. Jesus came to save us from ourselves, to save us from our sins. The Lord sent him. What a, what a, what a way to send him, right? Through Mary, a virgin, come upon by the power of the Holy Spirit. If that wasn't enough, he was born in a manger, a stable. You might say in humility, the low of the low, right? And yet he did that for us. He lived his whole life being battered and abused and beaten, ripped to shreds, if you will, along the way. But that never deterred him from the, from the calling that he had on his life. And the calling that was on his life was the cross for you and for me. So you want to find hope? Look to the cross. You want to find hope? Look to Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith, the one that created us. 2020 may be a bad year in some, in some perspective or some way in your life, but guess what? You're still here. God has sustained you for such a time as this, such a day as this to come, even into this place or on live stream to worship him in spirit and in truth. He has sustained you for such a time as this. Do I know why? Do I know why I'm here? No, I don't. But I know what I'm supposed to do, and that's proclaim Jesus as our personal Lord and Savior. So much for the notes. So much. But I think some things are just more important. We want to talk about finding hope, then we have to look no further than the cross. We have to look no further than the manger where that little baby, so innocent, so cute. Babies are cute, right? Then they grow up and become ugly. No, I mean, just kidding. kidding. But here was God in human form laying in this manger, the savior of the world for you and me. And then right out of the gate, people are wanting to kill him. They're wanting to take his life because they knew a couple of things. Ah. If they acknowledged that he was the king of the Jews, if they acknowledged that he was the savior of the world, they'd have to give up a lot of their shenanigans. Think about that one for a second. You remember your BC days when you came in and go, oh man, now I got to give up this and that? Did you really give up anything? You gave up a life of death for hope. Hope in Christ, hope of eternal life, something even far greater than what this world has to offer. It didn't take long for people wanting to kill him, but there also didn't take long for people wanting to worship him, wanting to acknowledge him, wanting to bring him gifts, wanting to honor him and acknowledge him for who he was, even as a little baby lying in a manger. The shepherds, you'll remember, Pastor talked about the shepherds. The shepherds weren't that far away when he was born. And in just a few short days, I'm not sure how long, but a, few, a very short time, they were there in the manger, seeing him, and witness to the birth of Christ, the Savior of the world. Side note. One of my thoughts, and I can't find it anywhere in the commentary, so just take whatever you want to take it for. But I think there needed to be some witnesses of this, this beautiful event. We know that there were witnesses when he was crucified. We know there were witnesses when he rose again. So why wouldn't there be witnesses of his birth? The shepherds were the first, you might say, the first witnesses of the birth of the risen Savior. But they're not going to be the only ones. There are magi, magi, magi. 
that are afar off that see his star. And they're going to be more witnesses to the, to the birth of the Savior. So they tried this whole time while they were on earth to kill him. And they're trying to even eliminate him today, as we know. We're trying to eliminate God. In fact, if you go to City Hall to pray at a council meeting, you cannot pray in the name of Jesus. Although we do. But they try to take Jesus, they try to take God out of everything. They try to eliminate him. They even try to kill him, as we're going to see as Herod the Great. Oh, Herod the Great, yeah, he did some great things. But he also wanted to kill the Savior of the world. But guess what? They can't kill him. We can't kill him. We can turn our backs on him. We can say different things. We can do different things that are contrary. But we cannot kill him. He is the Savior of the world. And we should not only celebrate his birth on December 25th, but we should celebrate every single day that he gives breath in our lungs Every day is a gift from God. Every day is a gift from God. That's why they call it the present. Ha ha. But it is the present, is it not? We're in the present time. And he is a present. He gives us breath in our lungs. Every single day, we should be grateful for the things that we have. We should be grateful for the time that we have, for the loved ones that we have around us at any given moment. But I would also say in the busyness of the world, those things seem to grow strangely dim. The busyness of the things that are gone on, the fears that are put into us by the world, they separate us, they drive a wedge between us. But if you can just put Christ first every single day, when you roll out of bed, Lord Jesus, it's another day. Thank you, praise you, Jesus, for your love, for the breath in my lungs, for my family just for this place to come and worship you in spirit and in truth. Let's look at our text. We're going to read Matthew 1 to 12. If you're able, would you stand as usual as we read God's word? Matthew chapter 2, and I'm going to read 1 to 12. Now after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod the king... Magi from the east arrived in Jerusalem, saying, Where is he who has been born king of Jews? For we saw his star in the east and have come to worship him. Verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled, and all Jerusalem with him. Gathering together all the chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. Verse 5. They said to him, In Bethlehem of Judea, for this is what has been written by the prophet, and they quote Micah 5.2 here. Verse 6, And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are you no means least among the leaders of Judah? For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Then Herod secretly called upon the Magi, determined from them the exact time the star appeared. Verse 8, and he sent them to Bethlehem and said, Go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me, so that I may too may come and worship him. After hearing the king, they went their way, and the star which had seen or led them in the east, seen in the east, went on before him until it came and stood over the place where the child was. Verse 10. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and worshipped him. Then, opening their treasures, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12. And having been warned by God in a dream not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. Lord Jesus, we thank you for your scriptures. Lord, may they be written on the tablets of our heart. We pray, Lord, for this morning's service, Lord, for this message as it goes forth, Lord, that it would glorify you and move forward the gospel of Jesus Christ. And it's in your most precious name we pray. Amen. 
So just to backtrack for a second, verse 1, it says that after Jesus was born, so he had already been born, they had already fled to Egypt, and they had come back and settled in Nazareth. So there's some time frame that took place there. The nativity scene, as we said, places the crib at Jesus, but they showed up much later. You might say that the shepherds were there. The shepherds were a lot closer at time when they seen the star, and they could have very possibly been there. And I find that kind of interesting when you look at it in light of the shepherds are with God. That just kind of, that kind of rung a bell with me because we're all shepherds in the sense that we have a leading over different people. Even, you know, our husbands over the families and things like that, wives. We all have a, we're all called kind of shepherds, right? We're, we're kind of leaders in the faith of the people around us and things like that. And I find it interesting that it says the shepherds are with God. The shepherds are in tune with God. Question, as a shepherd of what God has given you, are you in tune with God? Are you hearing from God and the calling that's on your life? So just to kind of set the tune, if you go, I'm not going to go back there. I just want to read this real quick. This is out of Luke. The Gospel of Luke records the conception of Jesus Christ in Luke chapter 1. His birth in Luke chapter 2. Eight days later, according to the Mosaic custom, Jesus was taken to the temple to be circumcised and given his name. Then 40 days after his birth, he was taken to the temple and dedicated to God in obedience to Leviticus 12, verses 4 and 5. Some time after that, the wise men or Magi visited Christ. And that's where we are in Matthew 2. The answer to the question is found here. So just to kind of set the tone so that we, we know that it was not um, the Magi that were there. It was the shepherds. The shepherds did come later, so we don't get that confused because a lot of times when you see the nativity scene, sometimes you it's funny, we were talking a little bit earlier. Sometimes then they'll put the, the manger and then they'll put the, the chef or the Magi in the next, <laughs> next door neighbor's yard because that's really about the way it was, right? So anyway, Jesus was born in Bethlehem. We know that from Micah 5 too. But as for you, Bethlehem, too little to be among the clans of Judah from the one, for the one Jesus, Savior of the word, will go forth from me to be the ruler of Israel. His goings forth are from long ago, from the days of eternity. So we know that this was, that this was after being born in Bethlehem, the days of Judah. We know that the, the location, we know the location of where he was at. And then we also know that he lived in Nazareth from John chapter 1, verses 45 and 46. It says, Philip found Nathanael and said to him, we have found him who Moses and the law and also the prophets wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. And then verse 46, Nathanael said to him, can anything good come out of Nazareth? So we know now again, he was born in Bethlehem, fled to Egypt, and he settled in Nazareth. And again, in verse one, we go and continue to read. It says, in the days of Herod, the king. Now who in the world is this Herod, the king? Well, is not a very good person. He's not very good at all. This was Herod the Great, called the king of the Roman Senate because of his influence over Mark Anthony. Herod was cruel and a crafty man who permitted no one, not even his own family, to interfere with the rule or prevent the satisfying of his evil desires. A ruthless murderer, he had his own wife and his two brothers slain because he suspected them of treason. He was married at least nine times in order to fulfill his lusts and strengthen his political ties. So it's no surprise that Herod tried to kill Jesus, for Herod alone wanted, to be, wanted the title, the king of the Jews. He wanted that title. He wanted to be known as the king of the Jews. And here, this baby was born, and this baby was already being called the king of the Jews. Here's an interesting point for you. Herod was not Jewish. He was a descendant of Esau. 
but he wanted this title. Sounds pretty like an egomaniac or a narcissist, would you not say? You know anybody like that? They want a title. They want, they want to run like they own the show all the time. They have a narcissistic personality. They want the title. He wanted the king of the Jews, but he wasn't even a Jewish. He was a descendant of Esau. And you might even say this is a picture of the old struggle between Esau and Jacob that began before the boys were even born. Remember in Genesis 25, 19 to 24. It's a spiritual versus a carnal battle. It's the battle godly versus the world. Nothing new. This battle has been going on since the very beginning of time between good and evil, right and wrong. This battle, it's going on even today as we live here in this world. We're going to see some interesting perspectives as we continue here between the, I'll just term it, players in this text. That may not be the right term, but it's just easy for me to, it's the players, it's the participants that are in this particular set of scriptures. First thing we see, we're going to see is the Magi, or the, and Magis were Gentile, Magi were Gentiles, and the, they were seeking the king. Herod was opposing the king, and the priests were going the other way or ignoring the king. There's three categories there. Maybe we ought to think about which category we might fall in. Are we like the magi who are seeking out, who are going, and we're looking for the king? Because we want the king. We want his, his kingship. We want to live under his authority. Are we more like Herod who are opposing the king? I want to do it my way. Frank said it right. I want to do it my way. Elvis sang that song. I even have it on my wall in there, in my office, the record when he sang it. Crazy. The Jewish priests were ignoring the king. Do you know they were only five miles from him, give or take, as the crow flies, and they wouldn't take their time to go visit the king of kings and lord of lords? I wonder why that could be. Why, why, why could that be? How about for us, if we, if we make that personal? Why would we not want to go visit the king? Maybe because I'd have to realize that I'm not as good as I think I am. Maybe I would have to realize that I would have to change some things in my life. What's interesting about the priest is they knew the scriptures. They knew Micah 5 too. They knew it very well. But they chose not to walk in it. They chose not to enforce it. They chose not to relay it. They, they knew the scriptures. How many people do you know that know the scriptures, but they don't walk in them? And I think sometimes we have to do a little Man, I'm spitting all over the place. Good thing you're not in the front row. You're safe on, at home. Sometimes we have to take a look at this stuff. They had the king. They had the creator of the world in flesh right in front of them a hop, skip, and a jump down the road, so to speak. And they chose not to. They knew the scriptures, but they chose not to. That is so bizarre. To me, anyway. So as we continue in verse 1. Magi from the east arrived from Jerusalem. So who are these Magi? Magi however you pronounce it. I originally was going to give you their names. Of course, we don't really know if that's their names or not. Some people say their names are this and that, but I couldn't pronounce them anyway. So I figured well, you can look them up yourself. <laughs> it's not really that important. But the idea of three comes from how many gifts were listed in verse 11. 
And if you look at verse 11 real quick, it's gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Now, just because there was only three listed doesn't mean that there was only three people. See, these Magi were very prominent in their area of, of uh, the area that they were in. They were astrologers and uh, dream interpreters and, and uh, I see astrology, numerology. They were in all the weird stuff. They followed the stars. And so it wouldn't be unusual for them to see this star. God appointed them to see this star, to follow it, to see the king. Remember I said earlier they needed some witnesses? What greater witnesses? They were very prominent. They were Gentiles, which is interesting. And they used them. These Magi, in some versions, they call them a king. But they're, they're not really kings in the sense of power. They were kings in the sense of being the best at what they were, astrologers and interpreters of dreams and things like that. They were the best at that. And so they called them a king. I was thinking about that, and I'm going, what kind of an illustration could I use? And it's simply this. Many, many years ago, when I was like, at one time I was young, I bowled a lot. I loved to bowl. I was born in a bowling alley, worked in a bowling alley. Um, my dream was to be a professional bowler. Well, obviously that didn't pan out. But there was a tournament that we had every month in the bowling alley. It was called King of the Hill. And guys would sign up, and it was a, a no-tap elimination tournament. No-tap simply means that if you get nine on the first ball, it's still called a strike. So it would go on and on and on until you're down to the last guy, or the last two guys, and they would do the roll-off, and the winner would be king of the hill. Of the hill. And that was simply, they weren't a king. You know, I was not a king. They were not a king but they were termed king of the hill. And there was a plaque in the, in the uh, walkways you come in and had who was the king of the hill for the month. So, but it did not make them a king. They were simply magicians, astrologers, and sometimes they say they worshiped this Zoroastrian. It was wise men from Persia, and they had a knowledge of the Hebrew scriptures, and they, that could even be traced back to the time of Daniel. So if you go back into Daniel, you'll see that they'll kind of talk about these guys. Each Magi was not alone. Each Magi had a group traveling with them, much like the famous people of today. Musicians, politicians, and even some preachers. So I was kind of interesting, interested in what kind of entourages go around today. So I googled the president. The president has like two or three hundred people every time he steps out. Uh, out of the White House or travels anywhere. There's two or three hundred people, a couple other jets that are flying around to protect the plane and all this stuff. And do you realize that it's $2,600 a minute when the president leaves? And I'm not just talking about Trump. I'm talking about any president. It's like $2,600 a, a, a minute when they walk out. That's kind of, whew. So I was thinking, well, what about Elton John? Everybody knows Elton John, right? Well, he has excess of 100 people every time he walks out, every time he goes out to a concert. And I was thinking about their roadies. Their roadies, so that's what they call them when they travel along with the bands of the roadies, or the sound techs. They do everything but the singing, and they're very, very important. So these Magi, they arrive in Jerusalem, and they're asking, where is he who has been born king of the Jews? For we have come to worship him. If you go back and think about it for a second, it is kind of interesting. These are astrologers, magicians, fortune tellers, Gentiles, but they have come to worship this newborn babe called the king of the Jews. I find that interesting because in contrast, as we talked about the priests who are Jewish, who wouldn't even take the time to go and see him, they weren't that far away. The Magi were, I'm not sure how, honestly how far they were, but they didn't like call Uber and say, hey, come pick me up. They didn't get in their car or call a bus or go to the airport. They traveled in caravans to get to 
see Jesus. I find that kind of interesting. How did they do that? Verse 2 indicates that we saw his star. They saw his star. Verse verse 2 indicates, if you will, a miraculous star. It's more like a supernatural reality that guided the Israelites. Remember, guided the Israelites in the days of Moses, and that's out of Exodus 13. The Lord was going before them on a pillar of cloud by day and to lead them on the way in a pillar of fire by night to give them light that they may travel by day and night. If God wanted the Magi to be there, he would provide a way for them to get there. He would provide a light supernaturally or any way that he wants to to get them there in the appointed time. Thought. If God wants you to do something and we go, oh my gosh, it's so far away. It's so hard to do. How can I do that? If God wants you to do that, he will make a way. Supernaturally or not, he will provide you the tools and the way to do what you're supposed to do. When God wants to direct you, he will make a way. Amen, church? Can't hear you. Maybe the mad guy, again, were to be witnesses to the world. They were Gentiles. They were followers. They knew the scriptures. And they also were obedient to what they were supposed to do. Look at verse 3 with me. Verse 3. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled and all of Jerusalem with him. Troubled? I think he was more like infuriated. I think he was also very, very worried. See, I think even he knew that there was one coming. There was one coming that was going to be the real king of the Jews. Remember, he wanted that. He was troubled in all of Jerusalem. Now, why all of Jerusalem? Well, because their entourage was so big that it probably, just a a thought, is that it probably caused chaos in this little town. The town wasn't that big to begin with. And so you figure you got three at least, and their entourage could be anywhere from, who knows, 100 to 1,000. Don't know how many people. But you know, it must have been a lot of people traveling that far, carrying all those supplies and everything that they needed. So he was troubled in all of Jerusalem. They were, either the fact that the people of Jerusalem rightly feared what sort of paranoid outburst that this psychotic, OCD, out of touch person might go off, right? Some sort of paranoid outburst that might come from Herod, hearing that a rival king being born. Spurgeon says this, This trouble is again testimony of the greatness of Jesus. Even as a young child, Jesus of Nazareth is so potent a factor in the mind that no sooner is he there in his utmost weakness as a baby. He begins to reign before he mounts the throne. Friends bring him presents and his enemies compass his death. Right out of the gate, the Magi are taking presents to him. People are recognizing him as the king of the Jews, the savior of the world. And that upsets Herod. So in his narcissistic life and the things that were rolling around between his head, he, he, ears, he had things that he had to do. At least he felt like he had to do. So what does he do? Calls the chiefs. Let's read on. When Herod the king heard this, he was troubled all of Jerusalem. Verse 4, gathering together chief priests and scribes of the people, he inquired of them where the Messiah was to be born. So he gathers together the chief priests, who would include the ones that held office, 
And actually, Herod changed the high priest often because he was largely a political appointment, which simply meant if you didn't do it my way, I'd just get rid of you. One way or the other, follow my ways or get replaced. They had a control issue. Now, he talked about the scribes. The scribes were teachers of the law. Their jobs were more teaching than copying out the Old Testament manuscripts, at least in this particular time. And they were all good at quoting Micah 5 too. And remember, we've talked about this already. But when it came to them, they seemed personally uninterested in meeting the Messiah for themselves. Verse 7. Or, I'm sorry. Um. Sorry, I'm a little screwed up here. They said to him in Bethlehem of Judea, verse 5. Yeah, they quoted, here they are quoting Micah 5, 2. In Bethlehem, Judea, and then verse 6. And you, Bethlehem, land of Judah, are by no means least among the leaders of Judah. For out of you shall come forth a ruler who will shepherd, interesting, shepherd my people Israel. He is the great shepherd. Church, are you with me? Somebody say something. All right, good. I just want to make sure. Okay, let's look at verse 7 and 8. Then Herod secretly called the Magi and determined from them the exact time the star appeared. And he sent them to Bethlehem to go and search carefully for the child. And when you have found him, report to me so that I may come too and worship him. So he determined from them what time the star would appear. Remember, they were astrologers, magicians. They followed the stars. When did this happen? When did this take place? Now, why would that be important to Herod? I would say because a couple of things. One, his time is limited. The true king of the Jews has now come on the scene. The true savior of the world has now come on the scene to what? To save the world, yes, but also to expose all the darkness. You see, Herod was, was different. He was different in that he could, he could show love and affection and that he, he, tried to rebuild it, he started the rebuild of the temple. So he could do some good things, but the good things don't outnumber the bad things. They don't cancel the bad things, like wanting all the control, wanting the title of something that he could never have, and willing to kill for it. If he was so willing to kill his family, his wife, his son, his family, then why, why would he not want to kill this one that has come on the scene to take away his potential title? which he couldn't have anyway if, if somebody found out that he was not, you know, he was from the line of Esau. It's crazy. So Herod later commanded the two, that boys, two and younger, be killed. Why is two and younger? Because they suspected that he is not that old. So he didn't have them all killed. He just, well, let's go up to two years old. Now, that's pretty crazy. Can you imagine some leader saying, well, let's kill all of the kids that were born in the last two or three years. Ah, that way we'll just make sure. That sounds so incredible. That just, to me, shows the depravity and the sickness of this one called Herod the Great. But I got to tell you, folks, I believe there's people like that in this world today. Maybe they're not killing people, but in their heart they're killing people. They could care less because they would just as soon step on them, eliminate them, so they could rise to the top. Thought. Jesus, when he came, he could have came at the top. But he came at the bottom. There's, a, there's a, an example there. 
So many people of today, especially the youngers, sorry, seem to want to start at the top rather than starting at the bottom. They want to exalt themselves before they're ready. Hmm. Does that sound familiar? Am I the only one resonating with that? But it doesn't work. You're not going to kill Jesus. You are not going to destroy something that God has set in motion. You're not even going to deter it. Because when there doesn't seem to be a way, he will make a way. So he determined from them what time the star appeared and, he, and Herod later commanded boys to and younger, younger be killed in the area. We have to remember their journey. Remember their journey from the east to Judea was not quick. It took some time. So they had their entourages put together, all the things that they needed, and they headed out. And then Herod says, bring back word to me that I may come and worship him. Now we know that that's not what Herod had in mind. Worship him? Nah. Herod claimed to desire to worship him when he really wanted to kill him. His whole desire was to kill him, not to worship him. Spurgeon says this, remember the wise men never promised to return to Herod. They probably guessed that his eager zeal was not quite so pure as it seemed to be. And their silence did not mean consent. They were supposed to gather the information of where this child was and then bring it back to Herod. So Herod could claim to worship him. But he really wanted to kill him. And once again, that plan was put aside. As we're going to look at verse 12, they came to a dream and they said not to go back to Herod. And they were obedient. The wise men presented the gifts to Jesus and they leave without informing Herod. Let's read 9 to 12. After hearing the king, they went their way and the star which had seen in the east, went on before them until it came and stood over the place where the child was. When they saw the star, they rejoiced exceedingly with great joy. After coming into the house, they saw the child with Mary, his mother, and they fell to the ground and they worshipped him. Then opening their treasure, they presented to him gifts of gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Verse 12. Having been warned, here it is, warned by God in a dream, not to return to Herod, the Magi left for their own country by another way. So it says, Behold the star which he had seen in the east. The star continued to guide them, apparently appearing and reappearing. Weeks is surmise that the star appeared from month, for about a month, some months, I'm sorry, before the guiding, guiding them to the general area. So like we said, it, did, it took some time to get from the east to, Ju to Judah. Judea. And then when they visited Jerusalem to gain more information, then the star appeared again to specifically guide them. It was an obvious supernatural phenomenon. And why would we say that? God can do anything. He's a miracle maker. When he wants something done, he can get it done any way he chooses. We can question it, why, 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 but it doesn't really matter why. Because it's something that he has planned out. He gets to see the picture from beginning to end. We only get to see this much. And when he sees the picture from end to end, then it comes together and you understand. And that's why when we can look back, check it out, we can look back at the past and go, now I know why I had to go through that but I don't know necessarily what I'm going to go through in the future, although I know I am going to go through stuff. But I also know because he got me through this, he's going to get me through that. 
He's going to make a way like over here when I didn't see a way. He's going to make a way over here. He'll make it happen because that's what he wants. Spurgeon said this again. I love Spurgeon, as you can probably tell. We believe it to have been a luminous appearance and a mid-air probability (laughs) akin to which led the children of Israel through the wilderness, which is a cloud by day and a pillar by night. Whether it can be seen in the daylight or not, we cannot tell. Goes back again to where he can provide a way any way that he wants to. He made a way for them to get there. Stood over. There's this gentleman named Adam Clark, and I just want to write, read something that he had said, and I found it kind of, a, kind of trippy. Adam Clark says in this, this is more literally, stood over the head of the child, and his thinking was some kind of a meteor that guided them to the very house where Jesus was. And, and I guess you could say he could use a meteor if he wants to. He goes on to say that this idea of a star-like shine associated with the head of Jesus gave rise to the idea of a halo in ancient and medieval art. Well, take that for what it's worth. Again, God can do whatever he wants. He can use a meteor. He can use a star. He can, do, he can create something. Because it's interesting that it stood over the house. Meteors are usually just flying. Stars are flying. Everything's flying. But it's interesting that it came to rest can literally mean came and stood. It can mean that the star itself moved to guide the Magi. When the Magi moved, they moved. The star moved. And he moved, moved. Guiding them right to the place where they needed to be. Question. Just one. Are you following Are you following the plan that Jesus has for you? He may be setting lights, if you will, or things in your path, and you're going, I I don't know if that's the way I'm supposed to go or not. But then it appears again, and it appears again, and you go, maybe he's just trying to get your attention. He has a plan for you. He has a plan for each and every one of us. The words came to came and stood can literally mean that the star itself moved to guide the Magi. Are you being guided by the Holy Spirit? Verse 11 says, they saw the young child with Mary and his mother. So obviously, he was already born. He was not called a baby. That's what they call him, baby. They called him a young child. Just more proof if you will, that they were not at the manger. This was some time down the road. Jesus here is called a young child, likely to be between eight months, as we looked in Luke, eight months to even, some scholars would say, two, two and a half years. We don't know. Where was Joseph? Where was Joseph in all this? We don't hear Joseph anywhere. Well, the commentator said Joseph was away at work like he was supposed to be doing. That way there could be no, when the, when the Magi showed up, there could be no insinuation that he was the father because he was out there. The only one that could be the father was God himself, the Holy Spirit. So Joseph was away at work or otherwise absent, so the wise men could not mistake him for the true father. That's just a personal observation. Take it for what it's worth. When they had opened their treasures, they presented gifts to him. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh. Interesting, gold is a symbol of kingship on earth. Frankincense is a symbol of deity, God, divine status, creator, and supreme. Myrrh is a symbol of suffering and even death of the anointing oil. It was common, especially in the East, that one would never appear before royalty, that one would never appear before royalty without understanding or without bringing presents or gifts. Considering who these wise men believed the young child to be, young child, remember, it was not surprising that they gave such lavish gifts. 
The idea of three wise men comes from the fact that there were three gifts. We might say that the gold speaks of royalty, incense of divinity, and mirror speaks of death. It's interesting, gold, deity, and death. Those things are going to happen. The Magi simply wanted to honor the king of the Jews. They presented the gifts to who? Not Mary, not Joseph. They gave the gifts to him, to Jesus, not to Joseph. Obviously, as a young child, what is the young child going to do with gold, frankincense, and myrrh? What is the child going to do with it? As a young child, did not, he did not spend or use any of these gifts. But the hope is that his parents would use it wisely. Anything ring a bell there? When you give to the church, you are giving to Jesus. You are not giving to any of us. We are under shepherds of the great shepherd who have authority by God to take those funds and to distribute them for the gospel of Jesus Christ, to move it forward so that more people would understand and come into the kingdom. We are nothing but trusted servants to do that for the king. As we hope, and they hoped, that Mary and Joseph would use those funds or use those things to help. I want to look at a couple things real quick. Let's look at the different responses to Jesus, and then we'll close it out. It looks like I'm almost out of time. I want to look at the different responses. One may say that all people respond in one of these ways, and I want you to do a little thinking about this little self-examination. Herod, Herod displayed an open hatred and hostility towards Jesus. That's undeniable. Scripture tells us that. The chief priests and the scribes were indifferent toward Jesus, all the while retaining their religious respectability. On the outside, they were all, yeah, 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 but on the inside, they wouldn't even go the five miles to see the king. The wise men, they sought Jesus out and worshipped him, even with great cost. That was no inexpensive trip to go from the east to see him. All the people that were along, their entourage that was with them, the time, the talent, the treasure, all that stuff, and then the gifts upon that, it it was great cost. Jesus came to the Jew first, and then the Gentile. Jesus came to be humble, or came to the humble and the ignorant first, then the honorable and the learned. Jesus came to the poor first, then the rich. And I think we could learn some wisdom from these wise men. They were not satisfied with looking at the star and admiring it. They did something about it. They followed the star. They set out and they followed the star all the way to the very end. They persevered in their search and following the star. They didn't give up along the way. They weren't discouraged by the search, by the clergy, the doubtful religious leaders around them. They kept pressing in. They kept pressing forward. When they arrived at the destination the star led them to, they didn't just arrive. They went in. They went in to see. When they entered, they worshipped. That They sensed an urgency to worship him now and not wait till later. When they worshipped, it was to give something, not an empty-handed adoration. They came bearing gifts, great valuable gifts, and presented them before the king, before this baby that came into this world to save us from our wretched self. That's what we're celebrating this Advent season. It doesn't just end here with his birth. It goes on and on all the way to his resurrection. Yeah, he came the first time by a star. A star guided him, you might say. But this next coming is going to be even more glorious than the first. In fact, I don't even think we could describe what his next glorious coming is going to be like. We can read interpretations of it, but when it comes, you're going to know it. It's not going to be just some star in the sky, man. It's going to be 
one super light show. Those who look at Jesus will see him. Those who truly see him will worship him. And those who worship him and consecrate them, their substance to him. And last but not least in verse 12, there's the obedience coming out again in the Magi, being divinely warned in a dream that they should not go return back to Herod. Why would they not go back to Herod? Herod wanted to kill him. So a dream came to them and said, no, you're not going back. And they were obedient. They departed from their own country. Their worship was also manifested in obedience. Their obedience to the heavenly dream, leave without serving as Herod's informants. I'll close with this. I'm just going to read it to you. So. The wise men or kings that visited Jesus on the glorious day teach us some wonderful things about following Jesus. They teach us that when in the presence of the king they recognize and honor him by their adoration and affection. They worship in spirit and truth, understanding that they are in the presence of the king of kings and the Lord of lords, and as such honor him in that way. Gold, frankincense, and myrrh is not what the Lord desires today. He desires you, all of you, all of me. Are you holding back the best that you have to offer? Have you surrendered everything over, and are you still holding back even just a little? The Bible says in 2 Corinthians 6, 2, Behold, now is the acceptable time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. What a great way to start the new year. New hopes, new dreams a new perspective on this life that was given to us on the morning when the Son of God stepped into humanity, born to die for the sins of man. My friends, it's a new year dawning. It's a new time coming. In fact, our blessings are new every morning. This morning, our blessings are new. And the question goes back to what are you going to do with it? What are you going to do with the blessings that this Savior gave us are you going to continue to live the way that we have been living? I don't know if you're all saved. I know a lot of you are. I can't see your heart. Nobody can see your heart but you and the Lord. So I'm going to close with this. Second closing. If you don't know Jesus, today's the day of salvation. You can start this year up fresh and anew. You can invite him in and say, Lord, take, take my life. Take everything. Cleanse me from the inside. Make me new. I want to be a new creation. The old things have passed away. And Lord, make all things new. God, I recognize you as my Savior, my Lord, my God. Please come into my life. If you think that way, if you've made that prayer, there's going to be prayer counselors down here for you this morning. Maybe you've just fallen away for a short time. Maybe, you, maybe you've just gone wayward for a minute. It's time to come back to your first love. Today is the day to come back. 